Hello, my name is Juan Esteban Zerrado, and um, I am more commonly known as Sunfrox, of course, and welcome to the first episode of my podcast, Cinematography, Screenwriting, and Directing. Um, these three being the fields that I'm most interested in when it comes to film. Uh, mainly directing, actually. However, I couldn't do the pun if I made directing the main one, so we're stuck at cinematography. So, I'm very sorry that I'm so funny. Um, this is my first attempt at trying to record the first episode, and let's hope it works. Let's hope if you get to hear this, that means, hey, I'm a natural, and I don't have to practice whatsoever. Which would be absolutely fantastic, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, don't we all want to just get into something and immediately be incredibly good at it? I mean, I do. I wish I didn't have to practice things. But, um, well, where was I? Uh, as the great Bob Dylan once said, I hope you're doing okay today. It's uh, 7.47 a.m. in the morning for me when I'm recording this, but, you know, you could be listening to this anywhere. I mean, as the great Bob Dylan once said, you could even be listening to this in an eye toaster. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's incredible how technology has progressed, and, and I say that having been born 2002. Um, granted, I do come from Ecuador, uh, because, uh, and so for that reason, um, I did get to see box computers and box TVs and many other things that 90s kids got to see that uh, perhaps other kids of my generation may not have uh, due to being born in a first world country or something like that. Um, as for the first episode, I decided that this would be sort of a bit of an introduction to myself and a bit of a personal portfolio, how I got into film, what I think about film overall. And uh, I'm going to attempt it. I'm going to attempt it. I think it's, it's a little daunting. Uh, thinking of doing this entire podcast right now, mainly because I just have to keep talking, right? I have to keep going the entire time, and I'm sure I can edit it and all that, but my god, let's hope I can just get it enough that I just don't have to edit for too long, and I can just, you know, send it right out to you. Um, anyway, let's, let's, we ought to get started, right? I'm uh, more commonly known as Sunfrox, the Twitch streamer. The, the reason that I'm using my real name for this podcast is, um, Film is the actual professional career I'd like to pursue, and although streaming is a fun hobby, it is in the end a hobby. Um, and I apologize if I have a bit of an accent uh, on any words. I am Ecuadorian, and uh, most people st tend to miss that I still have an accent. Most people say uh, that I'm fluent. I do have a bit of an accent when it comes to O's and U's and such. But uh, continuing on, uh, yeah, film is the actual professional career I'd like to pursue, which is why I'm going by Juan Esteban Serrano on this podcast, uh, aside from uh, my Senfrox alias, per se. Um, by no means am I a professional at film. I mean, I should make that very, very clear. Um, I, I mean, I'm an 18-year-old, right? When it comes to professionality, I don't have much of anything to offer whatsoever. I mean, I've never even worked on a real film set. Only uh, one sort of film set that I, that I, I made an independent uh, Western film, which I haven't really shown many people because I, I don't think it's good enough to show many people, but it got me into college, so. Hey, it did its job, and uh, but I can only hope to improve, and that's that's actually exactly what this uh, podcast is meant to be. It's meant to be sort of a journal, per se, of uh, what I learned throughout my film career, how I change, what I've you know, what I used to think, what I think now, um, a, a place for me to just sort of record all my thoughts, all my all my sort of uh, brain vomits on the topic of film. I'd like to be able to let it out here, and I thought this might have been a good avenue, because uh, you can ask anyone who watches my stream, I mean, you get me talking about film, I'll, I'll be, I will be speaking for hours and hours and hours and hours about it, and if someone doesn't stop me, then absolutely no one will. 
Um, a bike just went by, but I was talking about very important things, so I'm not probably going to cut it out, so you're just going to have to revel in the sound of that bike going by. Just imagine it's 7.50 a.m. in the morning, and you're, um, you're sitting here, you're listening to me, and uh, just a bike went by your home. Just imagine that it's not part of the podcast, and that I'm a very professional person. Um, moving on, I apologize if I get sidetracked here, but you know, I do love talking. I mean, in the end, I'm, I have a podcast, so I mean, I, 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 you should have guessed that by now. Uh, but what I plan to do in this uh, podcast is I want to review movies. I'd love to talk about film productions that I'm working on, whether they be scripts, whether they be um, actual, you know, maybe, maybe one day I'll be a production assistant, which I do plan to be if I want to, you know, get into the whole business. I'll talk about my experiences there. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about, uh, I, I'll, I do plan on bringing in guests and, and debating different topics related to all sorts of movies and, uh, and a lot more, honestly, any, any, any sort of, any sort of, uh, topic related to film, I will be covering on this podcast. I'm pretty sure I can guarantee you. And if you have any suggestions, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, or, or go to my Twitch or go to my YouTube and maybe suggest a few things there because this podcast along with Spotify, if you're listening on Spotify, is it is going to be going up on YouTube. Of course you already knew that if this was something you were listening to on YouTube, but that's alright, you know, I have to let the people know in the end. Um, I apologize if, if maybe it's not the most professional. As I said, I will get better over time and I, I can only hope that I will receive constructive feedback rather than a bunch of people telling me, hey, you fucking suck. I promised myself I wasn't going to use explicit language for the first episode, but that's already gone. But you know what? It's who I am, eh? It's who I am. This is supposed to be a personal profile. Guess what? I have a bit of a sailor's mouth, I'll tell you that. Um, moving on to my sort of origins in film, I did want to talk about how I sort of got into it. And uh, there's, a, there's a story that I'd like to tell you concerning my mother, because that is actually my earliest memory of me being sort of obsessed with with the idea of creating videos and creating stories and and um, here's how the story goes back when I was around seven years old um, I was watching a lot of YouTube and more specifically I was watching a lot of YouTube stop-motion and and what fascinated me about the some of these some of these stop-motion videos quite frankly is the fact that they were so well made. I mean, and, and, and some of them felt like movies even. And you can go back and look. I mean, the stop motion Lego community back in the, back in the day, it used to be sprawling on YouTube. I mean, it used to, it, there, there was some incredible stories being told. There was some incredible fan stuff being made with Batman and Star Wars, etc., etc. And people had these huge collections. It was incredible. And so what I asked for, what I asked my mother for, uh, for Christmas that year was a Lego stop-motion camera. Now, this was in Ecuador, and uh, you know you can't really get things as easily as you could in the United States. So it was a bit of a 50-50, and I, I think I even back then I knew this, which is why when Christmas came along, um, as it turns out, um, my I, I I was extremely extremely excited to find out that my mother had indeed gotten me that Lego stop motion camera and, and um, one thing I remember so vividly about my mother who sadly passed in 2019 but you know let's not get into depressing stuff um, one thing I remember very vividly about my mother was uh, she was she was always very proud of her quote unquote performance at Christmas she loved making her children happy and Christmas was always such a good way for her to do that it seems and it always brought her such joy so it's a very joyous memory of mine and um, yeah so she gave me this uh, Lego stop motion camera 
And I remember so, so vividly my first ever film, my first ever quote-unquote production, let's call it, eh? Uh, it was me with a Lego Batman that I had just built and stuck into a car. A Lego Batman minifigure I stuck into a car. It was me recording Lego Batman running over a criminal. So I've, I, I guess call it Tarantino-esque, but uh, even then, of course, I was a master. Um, and I'd love to look for that file, although I, I'm pretty sure that by now it's probably gone and lost uh, in the ethereal planes of oh wow, the files were deleted, and now you can never get them back, but that's all right. You know, I have the memory, and that's also why I wanted to put it on this podcast, to sort of record it permanently, you know? Record my telling of that story permanently. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's sort of my first delve into film, and, um, or, or my first obsessive delve into film, let's call it. Um, but before that, and, and even after that, here's another heartfelt story. Um, one of the things, one of my favorite activities between my dad and I was uh, just watching movies. We would love watching movies together, whether it be at home and he would show me, you know, Indiana Jones and Star Wars and, and, Bat and the Batman movies. He introduced me to the Batman and my God, he was my favorite superhero for a while, you know. Um, yeah, so uh, watching movies with my dad, it was, uh, that, that certainly was a big part of sort of our bonding and even still is. We still watch a lot of movies together. And that's, that's how film was, has always sort of been a part of my life. Um, and, you know, when the MCU came out in 2008, me and my dad, I mean, uh, my dad is sort of less of a superhero nerd than I. His brother was a big superhero nerd. So he was like, hey, maybe you'll like this. Let's go take you to see a few of these movies. My God, I fell in love with the MCU. And, of course, eventually I found auteur cinema um, and sort of decided, ah, the MCU kind of sucks. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, you know, it's got its good parts, but I think that it doesn't compare at all to auteur cinema. And for those of you who don't know, auteur cinema is sort of cinema in which the, the staple of the, 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 the director is so clearly seen on the screen that you can tell immediately who the movie's made by. That's why it's called the auteur, the author. It's, um, it's one of my favorite concepts in film, and I think that it's so important toward the integrity of, of sort of the art in general. Uh, if I'm being honest with you, which is part of why I sort of dislike the MCU and, and, and certain, certain movies in the MCU definitely sort of hold this uh, auteur cinema status, in my opinion, such as, for example, Thor Ragnarok. But the truth is, I think that the auteur part of it, the, the you know, being able to tell, oh, this is a Steven Spielberg movie, oh, th this is a George Lucas movie, oh, this is a Cohen movie, that's such an enriching part of the cinema experience, and I think that the MCU has caused a bit of a loss in that. And then that's sort of my grievance there, but um, anyway, uh, yeah, so my dad, that's, that's, that's how we got into watching movies, you know, the MCU, Star Wars, etc., etc. And then finally, uh, and this is a bit of an interesting one, this is sort of a, this is, I, I'm sure that many new age, let's call them, uh, many filmmakers in the future of my generation, they will say that this was sort of a big influence for them as well, but uh, Machinima. Machinima was, was a huge influence on me because, you know, um, it, was sort of, it was sort of a revelation to me that, oh, it's, this isn't just a they thing, you know, it's not just the evil overlords up in the sky that can make films. I mean, this is something that, this is something that anyone can do if they have the right resources or even if they have a game or, you know, whatever. I mean, for example, Red vs. Blue, that, that, that's like a whole series that's on Netflix nowadays and it was made entirely within Halo. Um, I, mean, I mean, some people have even decided to analyze Red vs. Blue to be a whole metaphor about the Cold War, you know, with the opening scene being, oh, why are we here? Because they're here, you know. Um, but I'm not going to get into that. I mean, that's, I, I don't remember enough of Red vs. Blue to, 
give you a proper opinion. And you know what? Maybe that's a topic for uh, another episode. Maybe that's a topic for another episode. I should wa- rewatch this sort of show made in a video game, see how well it holds up now that I know uh, a lot more about film and thus I'm more critical about it. Um, so moving on, I, I, you know, I've talked to you about my origins in film. I talked to you about how I got into it. Let's talk about my influences. I mean, you know, the, 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 the auteurs, the directors that I sort of really, really look up to and, and would love to sort of replicate not replicate, but take inspiration from their work to, to put to mind one day. And um, the first one that I'll start with is George Lucas, and, and, and as much you know, as much flack as he gets for the sequels, I mean, I mean, for, sorry for the prequels, he would deserve flack for the sequels, wink wink, um, but um, as much flack as he gets for the prequels, I think that George Lucas was sort of my first introduction into the epic, the, the genre of the, you know, the large-scale Greek-style epic, you know, this large tragedy of Anakin Skywalker, the man who he wanted to be the most righteous Jedi, and 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 uh, he wanted to also have this family of his that he could never have because he was a slave, and you know how that eventually leads to his fall. I don't know. There's there's sort of a Shakespearean aspect to the Star Wars saga, if that makes sense at all, that I really, really deeply enjoy, and I and I think I'd like to certainly replicate that and uh, replicate that feeling and 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 that sort of genre in, in some of my works, and uh, that's, that's why George Lucas, yeah, that's definitely one of my first ever influences in film. I should mention that these I'm mentioning in sort of in a chronological way as best as I can, because, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a little difficult to keep track, because there's a good amount here, but, um, you know, the, the George Lucas was sort of, you know, my dad introduced me to Star Wars, he himself loves Star Wars, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's um, so that was my first influence, just you know, my dad, along with this uh, epic thing that I that I sort of realized later on in my life, it it, it was it, yeah, George Lucas. What a guy! I love him. <laughs> and um, next to George Lucas uh, is Steven Spielberg. And um, Steven Spielberg, he does have sort of that same epic feel as George Lucas once in a while. He's very good at replicating the the quintessential hero's journey, if that makes sense. You know, someone going into the unknown and mastering the unknown and eventually coming back. Um, but even further than that, Steven Spielberg I've always considered to be, and, and bear with me here, uh, the heart of the film industry. He's, he's, and, and what I mean by that is his films are so full of uh, life and, and so, so full of a, a certain zest for, for, for telling stories and, 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 and you know, letting just, just a certain whims, whimsiness that, that, that is just so inspiring in my opinion. And uh, again, most of these influences I have because, I mean, they, 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 they have a certain aspect or something that I would love to put into my own works. And uh, absolutely, that whimsiness, that sort of love for life that his, uh, his fil- films always, always, always seem to convey, that's something that I would absolutely love to have. I mean, I mean sort of this appreciation for everything because as, 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 as negative a guy as I am sometimes, I do, I do like to think of myself as, as, as having a decently positive outlook on life. I mean, I sure enjoy it, if, if that makes sense, and I'd sure love to share my enjoyment of it. And I, and I already do in certain aspects. I already like to make people laugh through the stream, and uh, I, I like to make my skits and such, and uh, even I already make short films, but again, mastering that sort of whimsical feeling, that love for life, I think that's sort of a important part in the journey I would like to take as a filmmaker. And uh, as such, that leads me to my next guy, speaking of positivity, Martin Scorsese, who is the 
absolute opposite of that. Uh, he's he, he sort of likes to delve into the darker side of humanity. He likes to he likes to show you you know the the, the, the humanity of these people who have gone into messed up situations. I mean, Goodfellas, The Irishman. The Irishman is my favorite example of that because it's such an interesting demonstration per se of of where the gangster life leads and and. Uh, Another thing that I love about Martin Scorsese is he, of course, grew up in New York, and, and he, he's from New York, and he's a, you can tell, you know, you can tell by the way he talks, and that's so, that is so resonant in every single one of his films, and that, you know, harkens back to the, the concept of the auteur that I told you about that I'm so in love with. I think that it's so awesome that he puts sort of all of his, so much of his influence into these, and, and, and even then, he, he does also have a bit of an epic, uh, well, Maybe not a not an epic feel to it. He certainly has a he has a gravitas of his own. Let's put it. You know, a Scorsese film is a, is a Scorsese film. It's not. There's nothing like it. And and that's that man. Maybe call it a a little bit uh, conceited. But I'd love to, I'd love for a you know Serrano film to be a Serrano film. You know, and there's nothing like it. And um, and 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 sort of similar to that are the Coen Brothers, which. Now these guys are my biggest, biggest, biggest influences on film. Absolutely, uh, these guys are, are sort of very similar to me in many senses, and I'll explain how. And uh, they made my favorite movie of all time, which is uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And I will be talking about my favorite movies here in a moment. But the Coen Brothers. I mean, uh, you know, I sort of I sort of start out with George Lucas and, and you know Steven Spielberg with Indiana Jones and Star Wars, and these are of course you know Kurosawa inspired. And then that eventually leads me back to a more traditional style of Western, the Coen Brothers. They, you know, they, they, every, everything they make is sort of either a neo-Western or a proper Western, it seems. You know, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou being an example, or even, even The Big Lebowski to a sense. I mean, that, that one's a bit of a stretch. But in a sense, you can sort of see how it's a, it's a modern-day Western with, the, with, you know, their fighting ideologies. And, and uh, that's, that's one of the things that fascinates me about them. They, they, they always include a battle of ideologies within their films, and that is something I'd love to do. And and, and this whole Western um, genre that they constantly do, I mean, again, constant to the auteur, they, they themselves are very much from that sort of part of the world, you know, they're, they're, uh, they grew up around that sort of culture, and I grew up around that sort of culture. My granddad owns a ranch, and uh, you know, I know how to ride a horse, and I love camping for that reason, and I love the outdoors, and, and um, it's, 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 uh, I feel one hell of a kinship uh, when it comes to that as as a filmmaker, and I know that's probably stupid to say. I mean, they're professional filmmakers, and I'm this guy who's made uh, one or two, you know, independent films, independent short films. But but I still, you know, that's the that's the beauty of the auteur that you know people who have sort of similar backgrounds can really really relate to that sort of thing when when you put your own background into it, and and um, that's what film should be, you know, not some. Not some large superhero fest, as I said. Uh, that, that's why I also don't consider the MCU cinema much like Scorsese, or most of the MCU cinema. Um, because cinema, to me, is, is that very important you know, connection between director and audience. You know? and, and more specifically, that audience that is like, oh, wait, this guy grew up in the same way that I did. You know what I mean? Because I, I certainly felt that when I watched Ballad of Buster Scruggs for the first time. And my god, what a feeling it is. And, uh, if you haven't felt that yet, go out and look for people who are similar to you. Go out and look for Spike Lee. You know, go out and look for Martin Scorsese if you're a New Yorker. You know, go go out and look for these stories that that are hit close to home, and and uh, you know, you'll be surprised how hard they can really hit. It's fantastic.
Um, and uh, moving on to stories that hit close to home is uh, Spike Lee. Spike Lee, what a, you know, the activist call him, I suppose, within Hollywood. He always has a message to his films. He always has a very, very important message and, and he always has something that he's trying to convey to the audience. And that's something that I think is so important in any, any film, um, just to have a message, to have something that you're saying and not to be like, hey, I'm just making this because I want to. You know what I mean? And that's, that's sort of something that I've tried to, that's sort of an ideal that I've tried to hold up to in, in most of the short films that I do, um, unless they're for, you know, some sort of school project and, and as such, sometimes they give you a prompt and it's stupid, but oh well, you know, you can't win every time. But that's sort of why Spike Lee is a large influence of mine, that sort of big idea uh, that he always puts into his films. It's, uh, and I, I, there, there, there's such a respect that I have for him for that reason and for being so outspoken about what he believes in. And then finally, um, and this one's just sort of a cliche film student uh, influence to include, but you know, Akira Kurosawa is a legendary man. I mean, and my favorite movie of his is The Lone Samurai, of course. Um, and, and here's the thing about Kurosawa, right? That's a very cliche thing to say. You know, I love The Lone Samurai. I love Kurosawa. I'm a film student. Of course you are. Of course you do. But I feel like for me, at least, I've had sort of a... I've definitely been able to trace my steps from George Lucas back to Kurosawa, right? Because we all know how inspired by Kurosawa George Lucas is. And, you know, George Lucas leads me to Spielberg. Spielberg leads me to more cowboy stuff. The Coen brothers, that's eventually where I land, and then the Coen brothers, you know, I, 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 I'm in this more traditional Western setting, and I wonder, well, where did that start? And that leads me back to Kurosawa. So that, that's sort of my thought process and how I sort of rationalize this very cliché liking that I have. And I mean, it's cliché liking because, again, he's a legend. I mean, he's, he, his movies hold up even today, and they're still exciting even today. And uh, you have no idea how excited I was in The Mandalorian where they... Uh, when they did that one scene with Ahsoka, um, in which in which the samurai is standing in front of you know all those people and they recreate that scene, I was so excited for that, just because I love seeing respect paid to the past, you know, especially when it comes to something like film. I think respect for the past is so important, and you know you you want you got to learn from the old masters if if you want to be good yourself, as I, I believe someone once said. I believe it might have been Scorsese, um, although I'm not necessarily sure. I'm not necessarily sure. Um, but let's move on to some of my favorite movies, because why not, eh? Um, first of all, I mean, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I already mentioned this one. It's a movie, uh, it's a movie made by the Coen brothers. Uh, I believe it's six vignettes, six different uh, short stories within a film set in the West, and they, they each sort of have a theme of death and, and accepting it as it comes and, and uh, not really being sure what's behind the veil, and my God, what a film that is. And again, I just love westerns of all sorts, and, and it, it, I just fell in love with this movie the moment that I watched it. Um, and it's actually the movie from the uh, first time meme, if, you, if you're not aware. It's on Netflix, and I definitely recommend it. Uh, my second favorite movie is Knives Out. This one was actually directed by Ryan Johnson. And uh, even though I didn't necessarily put him in, the, in my influences, um, I, 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 I would say that Knives Out definitely influenced a little bit of how I think. However, the reason I didn't put him in my influence is because it seems he himself is sort of influenced by the people I am. And for that reason, I thought uh, that, yeah, no, I, I, I love the movie. I love the sort of whodunit style, and I think it's one of the most fun movies I've ever watched. Um, next up is The Five Bloods. 
Uh, now, The Five Bloods is made by Spike Lee, and it's about, um, it's, it's, it's sort of a revisiting of Vietnam, and, and, it, and it takes place in multiple eras, which is something that I absolutely love in film, when it takes place in multiple different uh, time frames, which is one of the reasons I would love to watch The Grand Budapest Hotel, and I haven't gotten to yet, which is something that I really need to do. Um, and finally, the, uh, the Star Wars Saga, episodes one to six. Not the prequels, I mean, not the sequels. The, I, I do actually like the prequels, even though you know, they're sort of bad films. I like the, the overarching story, as I said, the, 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 epic, uh, the epic sort of Greek tragedy aspect of one to six and how this very uh, righteous knight, you know, he falls and uh, all in an attempt to sort of protect his wife and all those he loves and he loses them in the process. I mean, it's, it's, I, I honestly think that the concept is incredible and even if the prequels weren't necessarily executed that well, I mean, the concept is there, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, no, it's absolutely... It, it, I love it, and that leads me to my own personal silent film. So far, I wanted to, I wanted to sort of say what what I have so far, and I'm sure this will be evolving as as I go. And this is something that I would like to record throughout the podcast, which is one of the reasons I made it. But um, my my personal silent film, um, so far, it it seems to be formalist, um, which uh, allow me to explain. There's two different ways to make films according to film theory which is realist, in which you sort of try and make your characters resemble real people as much as possible, an example being, for example, The Irishman, Scorsese, and uh, formalist. Formalist is where characters represent ideas, they represent ideologies, and, and from, from there you can see how I love the Coen brothers, because they themselves are very, very formalist. They, you know, they constantly have a battle of ideologies going on, and each character represents a different ideology, etc., etc. Um, further than that, this is necessarily not necessarily part of my style yet, but something that I've been trying to replicate. And although I don't think I have replicated it yet, uh, large-scale, as I said, Greek-styled epics—you know, big stories, big uh, hero's journey type uh, archetype characters—I love that sort of thing, as cliche as it may be. And of course, that harkens back to my film influences with George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, etc. Um, an example of formalism, for example, would be *Knives Out*. Absolutely, that is that is one of the best examples of formalism in the modern in modern cinema that I can think of, which each, with each character sort of representing their own little ideology and subgenre of, of a rich person. Uh, in the case of *Knives Out*, absolutely recommend that movie. And uh, but overall, my style is still something that is developing, and um, it was uh, it was it was it, it's something that I'm excited to see develop, and I'm excited to record here as it develops. Um, as for my personal filmography and how I know that I have sort of this style, it's because I made I've made one movie that I'm rather proud of. And again, I'm not proud enough to show it to the public, but it did get me into college, so it does its job. And um, this film was actually called *Fate's Tale*. Uh, it was a western that I made with my cousins in in sort of my granddad's ranch, and I just sort of cobbled this very ma homemade makeshift movie together. And it's about a young cowpoke who finds out that a bunch of cows get stolen from this one guy, Mr. Homer, um, who is actually an ode to the whole Greek epic thing, yeah, you know, based off of Homer, the, the author of many of these Greek epics. Um, and he, so he, the, the, the young cowpoke goes off and finds these cows. Um, and uh, the reason I wanted to do a Western, of course, is because that's sort of, that's what I grew up with. I mean, I grew up with Star Wars, I grew up with uh, Indiana Jones, and although that may not be a Western, that always, uh, that all of that, led me back to the more traditional Coen Brothers Western. And as I said, the Coen Brothers are my favorite directors of all time, and The Battle of the Scrubs is my favorite movie. So I wanted to do something uh, similar. 
And um, I, I, I actually did try and replicate many shots from Ballad of Buster Scruggs. It's, just, it's sort of an ode to the Coen brothers in that short film. And um, how do I think it turned out? I think it turned out okay. I think that my cousins, I mean, I think that actors, finding actors in Ecuador and, and you know, um, having the resources to find actors that can speak English in, in a Spanish-speaking country, that's the toughest part. That was the toughest part, and I think that's my biggest setback when it comes to being here, and that's why uh, I'm rather excited to move to the United States once I'm uh, off to college, which will be rather, rather soon. Um, and improvements, I mean, there's so much that I learned just making that film, and, and, and I love learning about uh, I love that film is one of those topics that you learn so much about only while doing it. You know what I mean? That's the best way to learn, to really just pick up a camera and get to it. Um, overall, back then, I mean, I, 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 I wasn't so sure about how to use the rule of thirds, for example. I became much better at cinematography. I learned how to, you know, uh, direct people. I learned how to interact with actors and tell them what I want their, 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 you know, their character to be expressing in the moment. Um, it was it was fantastic. It was fantastic, and from it, I sort of formed some personal beliefs that I, I try to uphold in film, uh, in my films that I'm, I'm making today. And uh, f for example, uh, as I already said, a film must be made to say something. Um, there's a great Bob Dylan quote that I think uh, can also be applied to film, which is that the world has enough songs. You know what I mean? If you if 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 you wanted to. Apply a song to every man and woman and child in the world. There could probably be an individual one for every single one of them. And although that may not be true for film because it's a much newer uh, form of media and art, I think that the same idea remains that you know there's a lot of films out there. But what what really makes a difference is when you have something to say within your film. That's that's the most important part of it for me. The message, you know. Um, further than that, every shot in a film, and and this is sort of a Kubrick-esque belief, call it, uh, when it comes to film, but I believe that every shot in a film, every part of the storyboard must have a purpose. Like, uh, you know, if, if a character's taking up most of the screen, he must be in power within the scene. You know, if, if he's being encompassed by another character, he must have less power. Um, these are things that sort of, sort of take a movie to the next level, in my opinion. And it's, it's, it's so important, and I, I, it's hard to do. This is one of the harder ones to do, and I can't even uphold it all the time. You know, I can't uphold myself to those beliefs, but... Uh, I try to, I try to, and I think that's what's important. Um, further than that, another very important belief of mine is that thinking that the audience is stupid and trying to explain too much, it's, it's, it's insulting, you know? I think that as a auteur, as a, as a filmmaker, you should trust enough in your audience that they will be able to understand everything without you having to spoon-feed it to them. And then if you don't, if, if that doesn't happen, then I, I truly think that that may be a problem with the, you know, the director himself rather than the audience. I mean, because the audience is never dumb. That's, that's sort of my, my idea. The audience is never dumb, and I have to keep up with the audience. The audience doesn't have to keep up with me. That's, that's sort of my belief there. Um, and then finally, uh, this, is, this is the most important one, as I've been talking about. Films must be sort of emotionally charged and have the signature of the director, the, the auteur, all over it. Um, this is the most important part, and, and, and it, it, it really, you know, it's what makes cinema cinema, you know what I mean? It's what makes the MCU or certain parts of the MCU not cinema, because it's all sort of one monotonous uh, corporate idea. Meanwhile, in a, in a sort of auteur film, you can send sort of the director speaking to you through the film. And that leads me to my final topic that I wanted to talk about. 
um, and, and, and it just sort of to prove that the auteur idea brings the film to the next level, uh, I wanted to talk about my mom's influence on film. Now, as you know, I already said, my mom passed away when I was uh, 16. And uh, ever since then, it seems most of my best film ideas come from uh, emotions that are derived directly, you know, uh, relate, uh, emotions that are directly related to my mother and her passing. Um, having spoken with an older filmmaker who was a dad of my friends, uh, he helped me realize that my mother ought to be sort of my muse, if that makes sense. Sort of, if you don't know what the muse is, the muses are the goddesses of art and, and what inspires or what inspired artists back in the, you know, back in Greek times. That's sort of, it's, nowadays they're a metaphor for what inspires you. And um, I realized my mother, ought, my, my mother ought to be my muse, you know, that's sort of my, that is sort of my, uh, my New York when it comes to Scorsese, you know what I mean? That sort of relationship between sons and daughters and mothers and, and family in general. Um, and, you know, that also harkens back to George Lucas. I mean, uh, Star Wars is all about family, and so I definitely take a lot of inspiration from there as well. Um, and what this older filmmaker also helped me realize was that more than just a career, film is an art through which I'd like to express all these emotions and, and sentiments left by such an impactful event at a young age, which is, of course, my mother's passing. Um, as he said, film is my salvation, you know? I, I mean, I have therapy, I have psychiatrists, but that's my truest form of therapy, and that's, that's how I'd like to really show to the world um, any bitterness, sadness, happiness that I try to derive from somewhere in there. And hey, it's, it's, it's served me well so far, and I hope that it continues serving me. And um, as my mother once gave me life, my, my, I think my ultimate goal is to sort of return the favor to her, maybe make a movie related to my mother. You know what I mean? About her, or, or you know, about her life, or something similar, a metaphor about her life, perhaps. Um, but that's for when I'm really old and experienced, so that's, that's sort of the big end goal, I suppose. Consider it. And here I am saying it in the first episode of my podcast, so I suppose we'll see where that goes. And um, I have to thank you for sitting here and listening to my rambling. I hope that it wasn't uh, too incoherent. I hope that you can sort of derive something from this, even if it's just, oh wow, this guy's crazy. I ought to listen to his podcast. Uh, which, hey, I'll take. <laughs> I, I, will, I will take that. Um, yeah, I, I hope you've enjoyed this. That's all I have to talk about for today. This episode was sort of a more personal profile, very emotionally charged, I guess, and uh, that's okay. I'm honestly pretty proud of how I've done. I think I might even get to upload the first cut of it. So, woohoo! And um, thanks so much for watching Cinematography. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at SenfroxFlix. Feel free to follow me on Twitch at Senfrox. And I will see you for the next episode, my friends. Mm -hmm.